Have you ever asked yourself why? Why do I exist? Why is Jesus the only way? Have you ever wondered why you should have community? Why you should be in a small group? Why do I give? Why would I be generous? Why should I serve? And why would I share my faith? Have you ever asked yourself, why should I love my neighbor? That's a hard one. And why would I live a missional life? Why do bad things happen to good people? We all have so many questions. Let's take the time to dive into what scripture has to say. Hey, good morning, guys. Man, what a great worship set this morning to kick things off. And uh, it's so good to see you. I'm glad you're here. If you're visiting first time, one of your first few times, let me encourage you to get on our website, thecrossloganville.org. If you'll go there, you'll find a guest card, connect card on the startup page. Uh, Please fill that out. We would love to send you information on our church, various ministries here to help you uh, get connected and, and to grow Uh, even in your walk with Christ. You'll see uh, our previous sermons, all of the previous messages are uploaded. Uh, The YouVersion Bible app, we upload all of our sermon notes to that. There's prompts, all that stuff will help uh, direct you on where you need to go. We're in the middle of a series right now that we've titled, Why? And we've looked at, why do we exist? Even last week, we looked at, why is Jesus Christ the only way? And uh, these questions are very vital and important to us as we contemplate why we're on the planet. How are we supposed to be doing life? And today, I want to dive into a conversation with you on why is Christ-centered fellowship so important? Why is it so important to be connected and live in Christ-centered community with other people? That's the question that we're going to try to answer for you today, okay? Let's pray it up and ask the Lord to just speak to you and minister to you right now uh, in the name of Jesus. Father, we love you, we need you, we depend on you. And so now we open our hearts to you and we pray that the Holy Spirit would have complete freedom in this room right now, that we would eliminate any distractions and our hearts would be in tune with you And whatever you point out in our lives, that we would be willing to deal with it and that we would really desire deeper transformation for your name's sake. So we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want to dive into the conversation as we land over here on this whole concept of connectivity, community, and Christ-centered fellowship. But I want to lay something out for you that I call Uh, the process of transformation, okay? So as you look at this image here, I have thought about this over the years, and where have I seen true movement and growth in people's lives? So you'll see the very bottom of the slide, it talks about subjecting yourself to the body of Christ. That is another way of talking about fellowship. Koinonia is a word that I'll break down here, living in community. You'll see above that, This whole mindset of submitting to truth, which really implies surrendering who you are to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. That's what we looked at last week. Why is Jesus the only way? We talked about, is he a liar? Is he just a lunatic? Is he a mythological legend or is he truly Lord? How do I get to a place where I am surrendering to Christ? 
These three things have to happen in your life in order for you to submit to Jesus and surrender and get to a place before you will really subject to the body of Christ at large. There has to be inside of your heart a desire to know God. You have to have deep down inside of you a resolve to say, I want to meet God on God's terms. I'm tired of trying to reduce him down to manageable terms and make him what I want to be. So part of the equation, if you're going to truly surrender to Christ, is there has to be this desire and desperation inside your soul to say, I want to know the Lord. Another thing that has to happen is you have to get to a place where you're disgusted with yourself. That implies that you've reached this place where you're sick of being sick. You're sick of being stuck. And you know that your strategies and your solutions and the agenda that you've tried to make work is not working. So you look at it and you go, yes, I'm at a place where I desire to know God. I'm disgusted with myself. And the third aspect is you've got to be willing to disclose the deeper issues of your heart. You cannot continue to suppress all these uh, jacked up behavioral issues and core beliefs that you have. Once you do that, all right, once you get to a place of desiring God, you're disgusted with self, you're willing to disclose these hidden issues of your heart, then you can submit to Christ. Once you submit and start to walk with Christ, God invites us then to be a part of fellowship, Christ-centered community, and this is where I talk about subjecting yourselves to other members of the body. Now, this is where we're going to build today. Here's what we know. It's not just what I know. It's what you know as well. Life is very hard. Life is difficult. Life is flooded with challenges. Life features a lot of different struggles along the way. Every one of you face problems. I will call problems trauma, pain, chaos, difficulty. We all experience problems, struggles, and tension in our life. Here's another thing I know about these problems that we experience they seem to have very bad timing. They're not really sensitive to what we've got going on. You ever face something and all of a sudden, man, something snags you up and you're like, I did not need that to happen right now, which really means I didn't need this to happen, period, but it's happening. So problems, trauma, turmoil, chaos, it's not really sensitive to us, but Jesus promised us in John, where he said, in this world, you will have trouble and problems. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. A lot of times when we're going through this pain, trauma, these problems, it can feel so overwhelming, and we get to a place where we feel really, Michelle, very exhausted. Okay. Now, when you're going through this kind of stuff, problems, trauma, whatever, it will provoke either a desire to connect or a desire to isolate. So many times when people are going through trauma and turmoil in their life, I see them start to back off, 
isolate, hide, cover, suppress, and not address with what they're going through. Reality is being connected, being connected is a much healthier option when you're going through the ringer in regards being connected, John Mark, to a Christ-centered community. So why is it so important? Why is fellowship so essential? The word fellowship in scripture in the Greek is the word koinonia. Koinonia, what does that mean? It's a group of people, koinonia fellowship, is a group of people who do life together with a Jesus-centered mission. So you go, man, I'm starting to engage in fellowship. I'm doing life with other people that have more of a Jesus-centered mission and approach to life. Another thing it implies is that I share a kindred relationship with these people and we share core values or core doctrinal beliefs together. That would be koinonia when it comes to the essentials of the faith, right? God created it all. Jesus was born a virgin birth. We start to believe in the atoning sacrifice of Christ being the only way to, uh, to bring us back to God for the payment of our sin. We believe that the Father has poured out the Holy Spirit and we can be recipients. We believe that the Bible is inspired. So you start to look at this and you go, we've got this kindred relationship, but we're starting to establish core values or core essential doctrines together. The third thing that Koinonia Fellowship uh, kind of promotes is the believers then start to meet together consistently to engage in worship as well as in serving. So when you see the word fellowship, God invites us into fellowship, koinonia. It's sharing this Jesus-centered mission together. It's doing life together in such a way that we've got these core values that go, yep, yeah, we're, we're in agreement there. And then we start to live it out on the horizontal through serving, and we come together collectively to worship God. That's koinonia fellowship. Why is it so important? Now listen to this. Listen to this. When a person gets to the place where they're desiring to know God, they're disgusted with self, and they're willing to disclose the deeper issues of their heart, when they repent of their sin, when they confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe, they become members of what is called the church. The word church in the New Testament is the Greek word ekklesia. The word ekklesia means those who belong to God because now they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through faith and repentance. That's the church. People go, hey, wait, we got to get up and go to church. The word church that is being used today comes out of a movement from Constantine in 327 AD, and he constructed uh, this term curiacon. In that day, in the Latin, and it was a phrase that meant a house or a structure belonging to God. So he constructs all these buildings, and he calls them St. Matthew, St. Thomas, St. Peter, whatever. And he goes, that's where Christians are going to meet. The word curiacon is not in Scripture. God does not dwell in buildings made with sticks and bricks in human hands. He dwells in human hearts. Now, listen to me. So you've got this concept, we're going to church. Well, we're going to a building, and we're going to, to where other believers are assembled, and we're going to hang out with other people that claim that they're a part of the ecclesia, they belong to the Lord. 
You can be inside of a building with other people that claim allegiance to Christ and still refuse or neglect to engage in fellowship. And God calls us to fellowship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Listen to what he says. Let us consider how we can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Now, as you engage with other people underneath the umbrella of being a, a member of the body of Christ, when you get together with others, part of what we're doing here is how can we stimulate one another so that they would love God more and love others and to really live a life of good deeds. He says, let us consider how we can do that. Then he goes on to say in 1024 here in Hebrews, let us not, let us not neglect or abandon meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not pacify an irrational statement that says, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. People have used that with me over the years. No, 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 no. Fellowship is essential for spiritual growth. People will say that. Well, I don't have to go to church. Okay, great. So what's your argument? Where are you finding community connectivity and spiritual growth and spiritual formation? The next thing he says in his text is, let us, con let us consider how we can encourage one another. So when we get together underneath the umbrella as believers in fellowship koinonia, here's what we're trying to do. How can we stimulate one another to grow? How can we encourage one another? How can we love one another? And how do we call out our brothers and sisters that say, I don't need that because you benefit from fellowship and community. Now, that being said, the Cross Loganville, you, you've been coming for maybe a few weeks, a few months, maybe uh, you've been here maybe even a year. Let me tell you, here is the Cross mission statement at the Cross Loganville. Connecting, you see the word connect right out of the gate in our mission statement. Connecting your story to Christ and others. You go, I've been coming for a little bit. So what's the mission there? What are you trying to accomplish? We want to see every person fully alive, connected to Christ, and connecting to one another on the horizontal. Now, that being said, the Cross Loganville, this is a place where people come together that are broken. The Cross Loganville is made up of a ton of just broken people. People who believe the gospel, who now belong to the body and are seeking to do life together. We have found our hope, our forgiveness, our salvation, our peace. We have found it in Jesus only, not in a denominational marinade, not in religion. Religion means to return to bondage. Not in modifying our behavior and try to clean that up. We have found identity in Christ and in Christ alone. That's who the Cross Loganville is. Now, the truth is we all, all of us sitting in here, all, all of us do, we have messy stories. Your story matters, but in your story, it features some mess to it. All of us have had trauma, pain, turmoil, chaos. Now, reality is, I know some of you, some of our stories are messier than others. Some of us really came off the rails. Some of us really jacked it up. But the world that we live in is messy, it's sinful, it's selfish, it's, it's disrupted. 
When sin entered into the equation, it hijacked humanity. And the ripple effect is, man, it made a mess of all of us. Now, for us here at the Cross Loganville, Joseph, we come to the realization that messed up people don't have to stay messed up forever. We really believe that messed up people do not have to stay messed up forever because we believe that there is a loving God who's created you in his image, redeemed you through the blood of Christ and who desires to fill you with his Holy Spirit. We believe that messed up people can experience a rebirth and be born again and allow God to really live in and through them and you can become what you've always dream maybe you could be with a relationship with Christ. To which we've said, it's never too late to be who you might have been if you come to real faith in Christ. Now, here at the Cross Loganville, this place of fellowship, we believe that as long as you have a breath, you've got a prayer. It's never too late as long as you've got a breath. We believe that you can call on the name of the Lord, that's called prayer, and through faith and repentance and confession and true belief, we believe God will hear you. We believe that you can say, Lord, I'm jacked up, I'm messed up, I'm lost, and, and if you don't save me from me, I don't, have, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a chance. And we believe that when you cry out to the Lord and truly mean that and ask him to come in and take over your life, we believe God, our God, hears authentic prayers of confession. We believe that the Cross Loganville is a place where messy people come to discover who they are in Christ. And we believe that every person that comes in here is still in the process of discovering who they are in Christ. We, we don't believe that any one person, including me, Nick, or any person, their tassel has been turned and they've got it all figured out. We, we believe that when we come together, we're still in this discovering God and discovering who we are in Christ. We try to set in tone at the Cross Loganville, this place of fellowship, we try to create an environment where where you can learn to struggle well. When you do struggle, you don't throw the towel in and quit. We believe this is a place where sinners can repent, where sinners can become saints, where jacked up people can find hope. That's, that's who we are. We're not a perfect place. We're not a perfect group of people. Positionally, we are in Christ, but conditionally, we're still trying to figure it out. Even the Apostle Paul that we read from, who wrote so many of the epistle writings and so much of the New Testament, he even referred to himself in 1 Timothy, he called himself the chief of sinners. This is a guy that had an incredible encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road, but when he talks about himself, he goes, I just want you all to know that I'm the chief of sinners. And so you're listening this morning to the chief of sinners that met Christ and became a saint, who no longer is just an old sinner saved by grace, but now, Ray, I am a saint that occasionally sins. I'm not a sinner. My very nature changed because I met Christ, and Christ says, hey, I, I, I call you holy. So this is not a perfect place, but it's a loving place and a caring place where we believe you 
You, we believe your story matters. We believe your story matters, Amber. We believe that. And uh, we believe that the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ can change your narrative. We, we believe that you can find hope and healing even here today. You may have spent a life pursuing pleasure. You would have called yourself a hedonist. You were consumed with this pleasure-seeking narrative, and you, you've come to the realization where you have realized, man, how empty is that? You've chased after the world, everything that the world said would make you happy, everything that the world said would bring you like some type of worth, and you're as broke and bankrupt as ever, and you're like, oh, man, that don't work. And for some of you, you came out of that, and you placed your faith and confidence in Christ because you repented, you cried out to the Lord, and you go, I, I found hope. You would even tell other people that Jesus can change your narrative if you come to him on his terms and not try to reduce him down to your terms. There's some people that have walked in here and they created a false image and they lived this life of performing and posing for a long period of time. And even other people, based on the way you would dress or even the way you would profess, thought you had it together. What they didn't know that your professing had no possessing of the heart. You didn't possess the gospel, but you had this false image, and people would look at you thinking you had your stuff together, and you've come to the realization of how shallow is that. There was no soul talk and soul really expression going on, and you're going, I've come to realize that the power of the gospel can set a person like that free. And I would say, yes. There's some of you that walk in here and you've attended church most of your life and you did it out of obligation to family members instead of adoration to the Lord and you kept going through the motion and, and you finally reached a place where you said, I'm missing something and, and you embrace the gospel and Christ has changed your life. There's others even here today but have experienced this where you walked in and you felt like, man, I've gone too far. You've got failed marriages. You've got bondages. You've got addictions. You've abused yourself. You've abused other people. You've mistreated so much. And you thought, man, I am way too far gone. And, and you came to the realization, man, before Christ, my story matters and God can change me. Now, as a result of that, God invites us to do life with other people. He invites us into community, connectivity, Christ-centered fellowship, koinonia. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says this. Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. Two are better than one. If you're striving to live the victorious life in Christ, Rob, and if you're really striving to grow in who you are in Christ, the emphasis is our relationship with other believers is crucial. So you've got to ask yourself the question, do I have Jesus-centered relationships that help sustain me? Life's going to mistreat all of us at times. Do I have Jesus-centered relationships that help sustain me, that will help grow me, that will encourage me? 
Do I have other people that I know will walk with me when I go through the ebbs and flows and the peaks and valleys of life? Do you have that? I can call my buddy Ronnie. I can call my buddy Neil. I can call my brother Nick. I can call Rick. I can call. I've got people, Chad, I can call. Hey, 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 I need some help. Pitting out over here. What's up? And we start to sing, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. Two are better than one. When you start to enter into this Jesus-centered koinonia, and you're starting to do life with each other, it promotes honesty and transparency. So what, where we land, Neil, is we throw our cards on the table, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and go, here's what I'm dealing with. That's what you're dealing with. And we can never be afraid to be honest with people who have our best interests at heart. Chip, you've gone through it. Jesus-centered koinonia fellowship, it inspires humility. I'm not out to fix you. And we can never be so prideful to keep people out of our lives going, I don't even know what I'm feeling and going through, but would you help me work through my confusion right now? I've been stuck for a while. You, you, you got it. Because we believe that being fully known can lead you to become fully alive. God hates secrets, so when we're withholding and suppressing, it doesn't work. So we start to sit down and do life with each other, and we extend respect, which means I'm going to give you room to breathe and try to figure it out. I'm not the fourth member of the Trinity, so I'm not coming in telling you how to do your life, but I'm going to walk with you. And then it inspires confidentiality. What is said here stays here. Hey, we're going to walk this out. It inspires dependability and reliability. Hey, can I count on you, man? You can count on me. I'll walk with you. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4.9, they have a good return for their work. I've got these relationships that God has allowed uh, Christ-centered intersection to take place in over the years, and I'm so thankful for them. When I moved back to Georgia, we moved back to Georgia in October of 1993. We moved on my daughter Rachel's first birthday back to Georgia. We were in this area only for a short period of time. We were going to a church over in Decula, and I intersected with this dude by the name of Ronnie. Ronnie became my buddy, my friend, and Ronnie and I started doing life together. I was asked to speak at this college and career thing. Ronnie had his hands in there working with some of these young adults, and he's like, uh, would you come speak? I went and spoke, and, and we intersected, and we started doing life together. Ronnie was a graduate of the University of Georgia, had an ag degree. He was a pig farmer, chicken farmer. That's where he was kind of settling and doing his thing. And anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm doing life with Ronnie. And all of a sudden, this tornado comes down in Barrow County and hits his farm. How it hit that and didn't hit really anything else, I believe, was a direct act of God. But it blew his farm up, dead chickens all over the place. I go over there and hang out with him, and I'm walking with him. We've been doing life together for 30 years, and so we're picking up dead chickens, and we're doing all of this, and he looks at me, and he said, brother, I believe God's leading me into counseling. I'm like, well, there you go. Ronnie was in his late 40s, about to turn 50 right around that time, and he goes, I'm going to go back to school and get my counseling degree. I walked through it with Ronnie. 
Barb and I, we were ministering to this young couple. They were around our age, and the guy I was working with here, he was struggling with a lot of bipolar, manic, depressed-style issues, and the guy was tripping bad. He had built like his own little tent in his backyard. He was convinced he was one of the original 12 apostles that God was speaking and visiting him, and he had his Moses walking stick, and the dude was starting to really get out there. He would eventually try to OD and kill himself. It didn't work. But in this time where he's tripping bad, he knocks on my door at 5.30 one morning. And I'm like, dude, this, this dude, is, he's a trip. He's out there. I don't, don't, I don't know totally what is going on with him. Is he going to show up with a gun thinking he's doing God a favor? I don't know. But perfect love casts out all fear. I'm not dealing with him in fear. I'm dealing with him in faith. But I deal with him that morning. And I called Ronnie and I said, Ronnie, I'm dealing with this guy. Bam, lay out the thing. Is there any way you could come over? We want to anoint our house with oil. We want to pray over the property. Would you come over and pray with us? And he said, absolutely. He comes over later that day. We walk the property. We go to all four corners. We drop oil. We pray that God would raise up these angels and have their swords drawn, that God would encompass our property with these angels. We prayed over the house through every door, every window of the house. We prayed over it. Ronnie, Lord, was just praying, Father, I pray that you would, would just encamp your angels, swords drawn here to pr protect this place. That night, we're getting ready to go to sleep. Barb goes, I'm going to go uh, put Rachel down. We did our Devo, prayed over her. She goes, I'm going to go put Rachel down. Rachel is about two and a half years old, three years old. Barb goes in to lay her down. Rachel gets in bed, and she goes, Mom, you know what I love about living here? And Barb goes, what's that, Rachel? She said, I love the angels that are above the window right here. I know God's got his angels here protecting me. Barb ends up praying, laying Rachel down, and she comes in and she goes, you're not going to believe what Rachel said. And I'm like, I have walked with that guy. This is my brother. We pray for each other. We're there for each other. And God specifically answered his prayer. And the Lord said, you realize that two are better than one, bro? You realize you benefit when you have a kindred spirit with somebody? a kindred soul, you, you realize you can do more? And I've told people for the last 12 years since Nick Slade stepped on this campus, I don't know where I would be without Nick. Eight years ago when Rick stepped on this campus, and I'm like, where would we be without Rick? When Dustin stepped on this campus to partner, two or better? How about three? How about four? How about 20 pulling together in the same direction? Why is it so important? Man, I got your back. When you get knocked down, I'll be there. One, authentic relationships are developed when you start to live in Christ-centered community. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Hey, man, you're going through a tough time. We love you. We're not going to sever you. We're not going to dog you. We're going to walk this out with you. Hey, I'm struggling. I've been hiding, been covering, haven't been transparent. Do you want to get well? I want to get well. We'll walk. We'll walk with you. He goes on to say, but people who are alone, when they fall, they're in real trouble. 
When you're a lone ranger, when you're isolated, when you're by yourself, it's like if you don't have people that you have done life with, that know your heart, that are walking with you, and all of a sudden you go through a difficult time, I can tell you, you're in danger. And the enemy wants to pick you off and take you down and take you out. And I started just thinking, like, man, when you go through tough times and struggle, who are the people that you lean into that offer perspective, that offer prayer, that offer even protection for you at times, going, let me, let me carry this for you. A lie to overcome, a lie that must be overcome. If you're living in isolation, refusing to be connected, if you're refusing to be a part of Queen Ania Fellowship, here's a, here, here's a lie to overcome. Well, if I get in there, man, I'm just going to tell you my problems are unique and nobody will like me, nobody will understand me. If they even get to know the real me, they're going to they're gonna sever me and not have anything to do with me. Tara, is that the truth, baby? Not a chance. Hey, fully known means that you can be fully alive, meaning we will walk through this together. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, carry one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Carry, walk alongside and help carry the burdens. Why? Because this can allow you to start to overcome sin, problems, pressure. When you start to share with another person, it's on a rocky, rocky like terrain right now, slippery slope, and they go, stop, I've been there, stop. I'll walk with you. That's the reason the recovery ministry that we do here with people coming out of addiction is so crucial, Big Terry. It will help people learn how to limp properly. Hey, man, I need help. Get connected. Second point I would make is this. Christ-centered Quinnia Fellowship, it encourages transparency. Back to what I said, throw the cards on the table. I'm not saying you've got to share your life story with everybody, but you need to share with somebody that you've got some kindred relationship with. I'm not going to go out and tell everybody my junk. Some people, they would prostitute it for the sake of absolutely trying to destroy you. Not going to go there. But it does imply that I'm not going to hide, I'm not going to cover, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to pose, I'm not going to pretend, I'm not throwing on the mask anymore. Hey, I'm willing to get real. And Drew, when we were able to get there, brother, and we don't find condemnation, we find love, it's amazing what happens. We're told in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who are rejoicing, mourn with those who are mourning. Hey, share your heart. Listen to them. A lie to overcome for some people is this. When they see my dark side and know some of this dark junk that I've done, I'm telling you right now, I will be rejected. There's no way they will accept me. Christ accepted me when I was dark, disturbed, dysfunctional, lost, dis when I was disillusioned with all my junk. Hey, when, 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 when did you cry out to me? When I was in that state right there. You didn't know any scripture and knew no scripture. You didn't know how to get out of darkness, did not know how to get out of darkness. You long deep down inside for relationships where you can be totally honest and truthful. I have been blessed beyond measure that for 33 years I've been able to live in a covenant relationship with Barb, and Barb has been able to live in covenant relationship with me for 33 years where there's no hiding, there's no covering, there's no pretending, where we're honest with each other. 
I don't even know how to make sense of when people live in relationships and they're walking on eggshells all the time. Man, I wanted to walk into this covenant and I thought we were going to honor God together and now it's become so dysfunctional right out of the gate and, and, and you're like, stop it. Get your heart right with God. We're here to love God and outserve one another. But some of us have got so much wreckage in our life, we won't let anybody in. Some of us need counseling right now. Some of us need to sit down and work through some of our stuff. Some of us have got a boatload of junk going on right now. And we've carried the baggage of yesterday into the relationship of today. And it's still dysfunctional and jacked up because we never dealt with the core of issues of yesterday. And we go, I need help. Another thing Quinnia does, John Mark, it allows me to seek godly counsel. We have friends a lot of times that will tell us what we want to hear. We need friends who really care enough about us to tell us what we need to hear from a biblical standpoint. Proverbs 12, 15 says, fools are headstrong and do what they like. Wise people take advice. Hey, I need some advice. We're even told in Colossians chapter 3, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Let it umpire officiate. Let it govern your life. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Let it take root. Now, now, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with thankfulness. What does the word admonish means? It means to come alongside of another person and love them when they've been led astray. Hey, hey, you're going the wrong way. You can't tell me what to do. Well, when you come to the conclusion and realize you've gone the wrong way, holler at a brother. <laughs> holler. You can't tell me what to do. You're exactly right. I can't tell you what to do. Because you are headstrong. What does it say? Wise people take advice. Fools. Mm. Hey, uh, need some wisdom. I need you to help challenge me to become more like Christ. Who do you trust for godly counsel? Who's in your corner? I was hanging out with some friends, man, and they're being stretched this calendar year. It's been so beautiful to see what God's doing with them. And I could say that about multiple people in this room right now. But it's like, hey, I want you guys to start a small group. Don't want to start a small group. I'm scared to start a small group. They're coming back to me now going, thank you for challenging us to get out of our comfort zone. I was talking to this friend one day, and I said, you know, in Scripture, we're told to comfort those that are afflicted. They said, yeah, I like that. I said, let me tell you cash money's philosophy. Afflict those who are too comfortable. <laughs> they said, uh, I didn't know that one. And I said... I love you too much to see you stay where you've been. You've got so much to offer. God's going to blow your mind if you'll step out of your comfort zone and trust him. If you'll let him stretch you. But I, I want to play it safe. You don't want to play it safe. You want to take risk. You want to be useful. And to see what God is doing in so many of these couples right now, it blows my mind. That I mentioned that they started leading a small group? And part of this whole thing of doing life together and being in a Koinonia fellowship group is doing life in a circle with other people. So when you, you guys start to step into it, you're like, well, we're about to bring our junk in here. And it's like other people start bringing their junk. And all of a sudden, you're finding healing in Christ because Christ is center of the conversation. You found that, didn't you, Ray? 
You found that, didn't you, Kim? You found that, didn't, I could go around the room. You found that to be true. And you're like, what happened? I, 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 I stepped out of my comfort zone. I don't know if I stepped out of it or you kicked me out of it. Whichever way I got out of it. That's right. That's right. I love you too much. Here's another thing in regards to fellowship. I'll wrap you with this one. Jesus Christ is exalted and the body of Christ flourishes and becomes more alive. When you strategically start to position yourself going, all right, I want to get involved. Jesus is exalted and the body of Christ becomes more alive. As long as you're doing what somebody else could be doing, if you train them to do it, the body's not going to flourish as much as it can. Christ-centered fellowship allows you to come together with other people and you're able to hurt together and heal together as you seek Christ together. All of us come in here again with problems, turmoil, trauma, and all this stuff, and we've got abuse and betrayal and rejection and abandonment. We get all this kind of stuff, alcoholism, all this kind of stuff. And for some of us, because of all this trauma in our life, we isolated. And we've got this broken heart, and we shut it off and wouldn't let anybody in. And as a result, as a result, we became bitter and resentful, and we're not going to let anybody in, and, and we're all just locked up. And we start getting in there and letting this stuff go together. Hey, man, y'all going to help me grow? Y'all going to walk with me? Yeah, we, we, we're going to walk with you. And when we let other people in, James 5.16 says, listen to this, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. Anybody need healing? Sometimes the power of confessing going, can I share something with you? We go into our prayer time. There's so many people that come here oftentimes and go, tears flooding their face. I've never told anybody this before. And the enemy has been able to have a stronghold and a grip on their life because God hates secrets and you can't live and freedom by housing these secrets, and they let it go, and you see the tension in their body. I just confess, you just prayed for me. I'm already starting to experience the infant stages of healing. Don't you want that in your life? Don't you want to be free? There's so much value in koinonia, fellowship, connection, and community. As you two girls even do life together right now, you love each other, you're praying for each other, you're going to protect each other's heart. It's like, stop, hold on, we're in this thing together. And it can happen at 20, and it can happen at 60. Now I'm not like it can happen at 98, it can happen. <laughs>